We're going to use the NIV tonight. Oh, no. <laughs> just, just teasing. <laughs> oh. All right. We're going to turn to Revelation chapter 2, if you will. We do have some resources on our book table you may be interested in. Can't find them in bookstores. So, and if you order them, you've got to pay shipping. So better to get them while they're here. Um, this is a CD 26 hymns by a 300-voice a cappella choir. I've never heard a 300-voice a cappella choir until I heard the CD. We have two different CDs by them, and uh, well, I, I loved it during uh, COVID. We couldn't get to meet together there for a month or whatever it was, here, here probably longer, but we had hymns running throughout our house because of this, and uh, we're grateful for that good music. We have a couple of uh, books for ladies. One is Securely Woman, Practical Truths for Embracing Your Role as a Christian Woman, and Answers for Emily, Practical Advice for Christian Wives and Mothers. This one's by Joyce Angel, I think it's pronounced, and Karen Hightower, both of them are pastor's wives. Uh, she's in Michigan, she's in Illinois, and they love the Lord, and they write very well, and we wanted to carry that book. Good, good material, carry these books. This one was printed by uh, West Coast. So I called Striving Together Publications to see because I thought, boy, this is right down the line. This is so good. And the other one also, but this one uh, published by Striving. So I called out there, and they said, oh, we don't carry that anymore. Uh, good. Now I'm going to definitely order it. <laughs> uh, praise the Lord. Emotional Pain by Rick Carter. Rick Carter is a pastor in uh, the greater Oklahoma City area, has a big counseling uh, center, um, a home for people who need a lot of help, uh, great ministry, has a Bible institute, and I preach for him this fall again uh, as we're going down to Texas. But he writes, he has a number of books he's written, really good stuff. This one is The Sources, Symptoms, and Solutions of Emotional Pain. If you're interested in that. My daughter, Marcia, do you know Marcia Hardecker? Yeah, okay. If you know her, you know her. And uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, she said sure, uh, to Shirley, Mom, you guys have to get this book. It's Asking Father. And what it is is just short uh, chapters that you can read to your children and teaching them how God answers prayer. One chapter after another to teach children how God answers prayer. And so they did that with their family, and they had something come up, and little Joe, he's getting bigger, but he's still the youngest one. Little Joe said, you know, we ought to just ask Father. Right. That's the right answer. And uh, that book, we're happy to carry that on the table. You may be interested in writing a book. This is Jerry Ross again. We talked about him last night. But uh, did God put a book inside you? When I was in cancer treatment uh, infusions, um, I was sitting there. They had the infusion in my left arm. I've got a pad of paper, and I'm writing a book on how to write a book. And I'm, I'm taking all these copious notes. And I got done with my ca cancer uh, treatment, and I, I found out that Jerry Ross had written this book. <laughs> I just threw my notes to the wind. Uh, once, once Jerry said it, it said about as good as you're ever going to get it. Very good, step-by-step, -step, clear understanding of how to write and publish your book. My, um, our granddaughter, Jenna, is, will be a senior in Bible college next year, but in high school, she wrote a book, A Better Place, about a, a, a girl and her horse and her family and things that happened to them. 
And then when she went to college, she came home that summer and wrote a sequel, A Better Home. Uh, it continues the story of the girl and her horse and her family. But uh, uh, we carry that. Also, um, the profiles in Genesis, Men of the Bible, I wrote. I wrote that first book I wrote. And I wrote it when I was pastoring. I was so busy, I never could get the time to write. So I committed to the Lord that I would get up every morning at 5 o'clock and I would get down to my office by 5.30 and from 5.30 to 7.30, this book was written. So if there are mistakes in it, you understand it was very early in the morning. No, it's, it's good stuff. Out of the book of Genesis, not the main characters in Genesis, it's the ones you don't hear much about. It's all outlined, be easy to reteach or preach. And then this book on the 12 Apostles, Volume 2 of the Men of the Bible. I have several more outlined, but got to have time to write them. And uh, finally, these two books. This is the, on the King James Bible. Why we use only the King James Bible? And what's unique about this, of course, we go into the history of how we got our Bible. But then we go into the history of every one of the modern versions where did these things come from? Where were they hatched? Or I'm sorry, that's a negative connotation. But um, who is it that thought these things up? And who ha has the copyrights? And who's making the money on the copyrights? Be interesting to know all of that. And so each one of the, the different versions, are, uh, have, they have an indentation. Then we have the discussion of where they came from, and then we compare them to the King James on a number of different verses so that you can see the difference between the different versions and the King James and why we stick to the King James. Then we have a chapter on the uh, top 10 selling so-called Bibles. And we compare probably, I don't know, 50, 75 verses on the top 10 Bible. Makes it real easy. Didn't take a lot of room for that because, for example, here's one. Um, uh, let's see, King James. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And there's a phrase that's missing uh, the gospel of Christ. It's missing. All I had to do was put missing. Phrase is missing. Doesn't take much paper and ink to be able to do a lot of these, uh, compare a lot of these Bibles. Finally, uh, this, this book, if I were on an island and I could only have 10 books, I'd have my King James Bible first and foremost. I would have uh, a dictionary and I would have a set of maps. We have several, a couple of them back there. And I would have this book for sure. This, and it took me probably two and a half, three years to get the rights to republish this book. Um, the uh, owners of the copyright are over in uh, the Philippines. And I negotiated with them. They have, it hasn't been in print for about... Oh, maybe 20, 22 years, 24 years. You could buy it online for $128 in, in the other format. Um, or you can buy it used, of course, uh, somewhat beat up. But um, I negotiated with them, and we're the only ones, Shirley and I are the only ones that have the rights to reprint this in Canada and the United States. And so we retypeset it. Uh, with Brother Unger, and each, uh, there's a hundred different Bible lessons. They were written by Alvin Douglas, a missionary to the Philippines in the 50s. He had time to write it, to disciple his people. He outlined all these topics. They're ready to be able to teach with, with a few modifications, but this will lay flat. You can write your notes along the side. What a tool! I've used that as a pastor many times uh, for a uh, um, Wednesday night or when I got in a pinch about something. The great material. 
and I invite your attention to those resources tonight. Again, um, part of our ministry is that when it's all over, the meeting's over, you may forget something that I preached, but you will have some good material in your hand. Amen. We're in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 4. Yesterday we dealt with the heart and inner erosion in the morning message, and maybe you didn't surrender that yesterday. The Lord spoke to you about it, nudged you a little bit about it, but you didn't do anything about it. And But he's been continuing to nudge you about that message. Seems like you can't get away from it. And if that's true, you need to do something about that tonight. We'll give the invitation at the end of the service. And when, when that happens, why don't you come and take care of that inner erosion uh, so that your life doesn't collapse because you've become hollow. Uh, fill that in, correct it, repent of it tonight. The other thing is, last night we discussed Bible principles of marriage and the wife's responsibility to respect her husband and uh, to nurture the children, to keep their, their homes, be a, home, a housekeeper, homekeeper uh, there, the husband's responsibility to build up his wife and encourage her and nourish her and cherish her and love her and to be truthful. And again, maybe... Though you heard the truth last night, uh, you didn't act on it then, but the Lord has been prompting you about it uh, throughout the day, last night again and uh, throughout the day. And if so, do something about that. Don't let that truth hang and God was faithful to give it to you, but you haven't acted on it. Act on it tonight. Do something about it. Now we're in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 4. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Now, this is to a church, and the first love is Jesus Christ. I'm well aware of that. In verse 5, remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, so that if we have left our first love, the Bible describes that as being fallen. Did you notice that? And the response that he wants us to have is to repent and do the first works. Get back to where we started, really. Um, do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove the candlestick out of its place, except thou repent. Now, I'm preaching on the family tonight, but I want to use that, that phrase, lost thy first love, as a uh, launch pad because this can happen in a family. This can happen in a marriage where there was tender young love, but the young love is... Um, a little hazy today at best. Here are the husband's sequence of actions to his wife's common cold. First year of marriage, a sugar dumpling. I'm really worried about my baby girl. You've got a bad sniff on. There's no telling about these things with all the strep going around. I'm putting you in the hospital this afternoon for a general checkup and a good rest. I know the food there is lousy, so I'll be bringing you some food from the family restaurant. restaurant. Uh, I've already arranged it with my boss. Second year. Listen, darling, I don't like the sounds of that cough. Um, I've called the doctor to rush over here. Now, you go to bed like a good little girl for me. Will you do that? Second year. Third year. Maybe you better lie down, honey. Nothing uh, like a little rest when you feel bad. I'll, I'll bring you something. Is there canned soup that I could warm up? Fourth year. Now, look, dear, let's be sensible. After you fed the kids and washed the dishes and the clothes and finish sweeping the floor, you better lie down. <laughs> Fifth year. 
<sighs> Why don't you take a couple of aspirin and gargle or something instead of sitting around barking like a seal? <laughs> Sixth year. Hey, stop sneezing. You're going to give me pneumonia. Now, how can we have such a great start in marriage only to let it slip into taking our partner for granted and our marriage for granted? Marriage is a topic with a lot of laughter. You just have to laugh. Attending a wedding for the first time, a little girl whispered to her mother, Mom, why is the bride dressed in white? The mother said, well, because white is the color of happiness, and today is the happiest day of her life. The child thought for a moment, said, so why is the groom dressed in black? <laughs> One writer addressed uh, or assessed uh, Adam and Eve is having the ideal marriage. He wrote, Adam didn't have to hear all about the men that she used, could have married, used to date. And Eve didn't have to hear about the ways his mother cooked it. So when we marry, we say, till death us do part. But that doesn't mean that we have to have a lifetime of endurance. God intends for us to have a lifetime in marriage of romance, a lifetime of bliss. Marriages ought to stick together. Now tonight, uh, we want to look at how we can recapture the first love, that first love that put a gleam in our eyes in those first days of our marriage. Wouldn't it be great to get the gleam back? Marriage shouldn't be uh, something that we have to endure. I don't believe God meant that to be like that at all. It ought to be enjoyed. And it can be if both partners work at it and maybe need to fall in love again. Uh, with our leaky Marriage roof patched by the principles we learned last night, right? As we think of rebuilding our home, we correlate this to uh, remodeling, interior remodeling perhaps. The title of the message tonight, however, is How to Fall in Love Again. How to Fall in Love Again. Let's start with prayer and we'll get right into it. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, now, of course, we've laughed and we've joked a little bit, Lord, and uh, that's good. Merry heart doeth good like a medicine, too. But, Lord, we want to capture the truths that we need to be able to recapture our love in marriage, to fall in love again. I pray that you'll help me to say it the way that you want it said and Lord, I pray that hearts would hear, not just ears, but hearts would hear tonight and that we'd be painfully honest before you. And Lord, if there's some couple that really need to fall in love again, I pray, Lord, that you'll speak to their hearts, that this will be a pivotal night for them in strengthening their marriage. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So let's look first tonight at some danger signals. Danger signals. Before a child runs away, there are danger signals that a parent ought to wait, you know, pick up on. Before Adam Lanza shot the children in Newtown, Connecticut, he left danger signals. But everybody skipped over them. They missed the danger signals. That's true in most shootings. Uh, there are danger signals. Before the economy collapsed, uh, there were danger signals. And we need to pick up on danger signals. 
And when they occur in a marriage, we need to be alert to them and examine our relationship. Are there some danger signals going on right now in the marriage and we shouldn't just slough it off or pass it off and, uh, or act like it's not important. It is important and it's a warning signal that we need to pay attention to some things more closely in our marriage. A couple, for example, who used a public situation to cut each other down should recognize that their marriage is in danger. We don't do that to each other in public. We don't cut each other down. We're married. We love each other. A husband who uses his wife as the butt of his jokes may not realize it yet, but his marriage is in trouble. It's in danger. Couples who say they never have problems or uh, never have had a fight uh, are in denial and their marriage could very well be in trouble. We had a family like that in our church and anytime we talked about marriage, well, we never fight. We never have a problem. We always get, everything is hunky-dory, but everything was not hunky-dory. Uh, one danger signal to watch for is when a husband calls his wife ugly names or vice versa. That's, that's taboo. There ought to be greater discipline in our lives as believers than to do something like that. Another is when the husband begins to make excuses for his being away from home or vice versa. Uh, it could be the wife. Another is when the husband shows very little attention to the, the, his wife. That's a danger signal. And that's the same if the wife is showing very little attention to her husband. Another is when there's constant bickering and nagging and picking at each other going on between the husband and wife. It could have started out jokingly, but it has gone way beyond that, and that marriage is in trouble. A red-hot danger signal is when the couple cannot discuss differences without getting into a heated argument. I mean, everything seems to end up in an argument. Another danger signal is when the couple doesn't want to take time to just be with each other. Oh, I mean, you, you don't want to be with each other. You, you plan everything else so that you don't have to be with each other. That's a danger signal. When one partner makes comparisons of how so-and-so treats her husband or how so-and-so treats uh, his wife, there's a red light blinking that there's a danger signal going off. There's a problem in that marriage that needs addressed. These are just some of the clues that there's a problem, and we really need to wake up and fall in love again, recapture our love. I only have two points tonight after the danger signals. What can you do individually to fall in love again? What can you do? Now, your partner may not, but what can you do on your side of the ledger to fall in love? Number one, accept your partner unconditionally. Accept him or her unconditionally. The first step spiritually is to accept Christ. And in marriage, that's spiritually... But domestically, it's to accept your partner. Uh, you never read about Adam not accepting Eve. I mean, even after she led them into sin, she still um, loved, he still loved her and accepted her. Even after Adam failed to show spiritual leadership, Eve still um, didn't reject Adam, didn't reject him. Sarah gave faulty advice to her husband to bring Hagar into the picture. Abraham still accepted Sarah unconditionally. 
There was a love that they had for each other. When we come to Jesus, it's a wonderful truth. He accepts us the way we are. Just as I am, we come to him and he accepts us, he saves us, and he accepts us. We have entered into the beloved. And boy, it's great to belong and be loved, isn't it? And that's the comfort and the, the security that we need to offer our mate. Uh, be accepted. There's no rejection like the rejection that you feel from a spouse. Um, don't put your part, partner through that. Don't do it. Accept them for who they are. Love them like the Bible says. That's one step that you, you can take to fall in love again in your family with your mate. Number two, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. Admit and confess your past failures to the Lord. Admit and confess them. 1 John 1, 9, you have committed to memory likely. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to what? Forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You may have failed to be the right kind of wife. You may have failed to be the caring kind of husband that you should have been up to this point. You know where you failed. Confess that and get the Lord's cleansing and go forward from that point. Clear your conscience before the Lord. Matthew 7 and verse 5 says, Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Or in other words, well, I tell you, I hope that my husband gets this message. I hope he's hearing this, that he needs to fall in love with me again. I hope my wife is getting this message. Now, wait a minute. It starts with us, not with the other one. You internalize it. You apply it to you first. First, cast out the beam out of thine own eye. And then we'll talk about the rest. So number one, number one, we should admit and confess, I'm sorry, accept your partner unconditionally, but then admit and confess your own past failures and sins to the Lord. Number three, ask the Lord to help you to forgive your partner. This is something that you can do to fall in love again. Ephesians 4.32, would you go there with me, please? Ephesians 4.32. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted. Oh, here it is. Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. It's a command. And it's possible because you know that Christ has forgiven you and he's commanded you and me to forgive one another. Now we have the capacity to forgive one another. Written to the church, we shouldn't have ouches in the church that are left to go and we don't get them right with God. There ought to be, well, I'm not preaching on that tonight, and this is not per se a revival in, in that way, but if there is something between you and a brother or sister in this building or in this church, you ought to get that taken care of and ask God to help you to forgive that person. But we can, if that's true with other people, how much truer is it with our partner? We ought to be able to forgive our husband or our wife uh, of things that have gone on in the past. Also think of the failures that God could have judged you for and he hasn't. Things, failures in your life that he could have judged you, but he forgave you. Honor be to God. He forgave me. And so... Uh, 
You can forgive your partner's past failures too. Ask the Lord to help you to have the capacity to forgive him, to forgive her. There are some things that you can do individually to fall in love again with your partner. One is to accept him or accept her like they are, unconditionally. Secondly, admit and confess your past failures, sins to the Lord, and ask the Lord to help you to forgive your partner. Number four, restore love and joy by investing in his life by investing in her life. Matthew chapter 5. Go there, please. Matthew chapter 5. Restore love and joy by investing in his or her life. Matthew 5, 40. Verse 40. Turn another page. And if any man will sue thee at the law take a, uh, and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Or in other words, the principle here is that when someone is oppressive, they always want something from you. But God wants us to give more than is required to our offenders. He wants it to be voluntary giving. And if we'll do that, uh, a fresh love can return to us. Here's the principle. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Wherever you give of yourself, your heart will gravitate to that. And it works like that in marriage. It's how we started marriage. The first love, remember? We need to get back to the first love. Give more than is expected toward your partner and see how God works miraculously in your life to rekindle the love for him, the love for her. I read of a certain man who was bitter toward his former wife. She had distorted and magnified reports of his failures in marriage and thereby greatly damaging his reputation. The court awarded her half of all their property and assessed him monthly payments for her support. Well, every time he made a payment, maybe he felt like you would feel if it was you. He experienced bitterness toward his wife and resentment toward her. I mean, he gave grudging. <clears throat> this woman... And he gave it. That man followed step three of fully forgiving his wife and asking her to forgive him. Things improved, but he still lacked love for her. He lacked love. He lacked joy in his Christian life. He couldn't overcome those feelings of bitterness as he uh, made each of those required payments to her. The story goes like this. I'll read it to you. His testimony is that when he saw this fourth principle, restore love and joy by investing in your partner, uh, he started to give more than the court-appointed amount. She required, the court required so much, but he decided to start to give more, and he discovered a new love for his wife and a joy in his heart, and a freedom from that bitterness. Now he's giving willingly. He's not giving because he's coerced. He says, I'm going to give of my own free will more than is required. And he got free of the bitterness. We don't have to be separated or divorced for that to work. We can determine to invest more than is expected by our mate. Treasures that you can invest in your partner include things like this. Praying for them more than normal. Spending more time. You know that when we spend time in prayer for anything, 
That is what's going through our mind. That's what's in our heart. And we develop a greater love in that direction. Pray for them. Saying words to encourage them more than normal. Maybe you do that, but maybe your, your wife or your husband needs to hear more of those encouraging words. Thinking thoughts of how they have benefited your life. So maybe there's an ouch, maybe there's a problem in your marriage, maybe you need to fall in love again, but if you would take time to think about him, think about her, and how they have benefited your life. Maybe even make a list of the blessings that God has brought to you because of your partner. That would endear your heart to them. Making efforts to meet a need that they have. I mean, you recognize that they have a need, you meet that need. Refusing to talk derogatorily about them. I mean, the temptation's there. you know, but you refuse to give in to it. So, uh, showing an interest in what they're interested in. I think I told here the story the last time about how um, Shirley uh, took an interest in fishing with me. And we went fishing together. Didn't know a thing about fishing. Outfished me the first time out. That's not what I'm talking about, but at least... <laughs> Go out together and do some things that uh, the other one's interested in. Giving a special gift to meet a basic need that they have. These are some things that you as an individual can do to fall in love again with your partner. And why not start tonight? Do the first works again. Get started. Accept your partner unconditionally. Admit and confess your sin Failure before God. Ask God to help you to forgive, to have the capacity to forgive your partner and invest your treasure in his or her life above their expectations. All right. The last point tonight is if you'll get serious about uh, your home and falling in love again, ask yourself, What can you do together? The other one was, what can I do individually? But what can we do together now to fall in love again? Go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. One thing that you can do together, husband and wife, to fall greatly in love, more love together, is both agree to draw closer to God and put his word first. God first. God's word primary in our life. Matthew 6, 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you, including falling in love again. All things will be added that we need if we'll seek him first. And we can seek him and should seek him while he may be found, the scripture says. I wonder if you really want your marriage to be restored and right. Are you serious about it? Because if you are, then both of you determine to put God first and his word first. Determine to obey his word together. Pull together. You have a team of oxen. They got to go in the same direction or it's not going to work. And that's the way marriage is. We've got to pull together. Be agreed. Walk together in lockstep. Uh, You need God to draw nearer to your marriage in order for your marriage to work. Well, he promised to draw near if we'll draw near to him. And so it ought to start with us Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to us. So why not ask your partner to pray with you? The family that prays together, what? Stays together. Uh, Both agree to draw closer to God and to his word. Number two, 
Identify the most important issue to each of you. You got some conflict going on? Um, then try to solve it. Agree to be honest, but not to raise your voice with each other. You don't need to raise your voice to each other. Just sit down and have an honest chat, talk, and agree to be honest, but not raise your voice. Share and listen to each other. Especially identify which hurts uh, need immediate attention and need to heal. Gentlemen, here's how to get started. Ask her to share her feelings and thoughts with you. And be honest about that. Now, she's going to say some things, and you may not agree with what she says. But don't blow your stack, interrupt her and all of that. Hear her out. There's something on her mind. Let her share that. Then uh, you rephrase what she has said to see if you really comprehend what she said. Because we hear different than they say. And so it's good to uh, regurgitate it back, get it back to her to make sure that she knows how you received it and she can clarify it then. And if not, try again. And you share your feelings too and let her clarify what uh, she heard you say to make sure that she understood what you said. Hello, am I going, is this getting too complicated? <laughs> These are precious times that endear us to each other. Don't interrupt him. Don't get mad. Don't, clear, don't tell him, uh, explain all the reasons why uh, yet. Let, hear him out. Let him talk it out. At first, that, that may be awkward because you aren't used to opening up. But... Um, It'll become the glue that holds you together if you can talk things out, if you can be honest with each other. Talk it out, communicate. We did this one time. <clears throat> Shirley said, uh, yeah, there's, there's something that's bugging me about you. I said, yeah, go ahead. She said, well, you know how you like to play basketball with your rolled up socks and you try to throw them in the wastepad, the uh, uh, hamper? She said, you may not know this, but you're not a very good shot. <laughs> and I have to bend over and pick them up behind the hamper. And uh, it would be a big help to me if you would just drop them. <laughs> I said, I can do that. This is not something that we need to fuss about. I'll do that. She said, oh, there's one other thing. Sometimes when um, you come to bed, you've got really bad breath. <laughs> I said, is that right? And she, she said, yeah, um, I don't know if you could just brush your teeth or use some mouthwash or something. Uh, but it would be a lot easier to sleep. <laughs> I'm being painfully honest. She was painfully honest. And I said, I can do that. This is doable. We don't have to have fusses about it. And she doesn't have to be um, upset about things like that or not know how to bring it up. But we had an honesty session. What do you need to be honest about and talk it out? We ought to be able to communicate with each other. Yep. Now, I, I preached this one place, and the next night somebody came in and said, boy, I found out about my socks. <laughs> Third step that you can take together is to each apologize to each other. Apologize. Boy, there's something cleansing about apologizing and meaning it. You know it's right to do. You know if there's something that you've done wrong. You know if you did something to agitate on purpose or to get a rise out of the other person 
or uh, we know each other's trigger points. I mean, sit down opposite each other and say the, the words and look in their eyes and mean it. Honey, I am so sorry for what I did. Would you please forgive me? Those are healing words. And it's good to admit it and confess it to God. But there needs to be a total cleansing of the air with sincere apologies made and accepted. And accepted. You say, oh, we've done that before. Do it again. You may have to do it again. Jesus said to forgive them, uh, let's see, 490 times a day. You think you're really doing a great job forgiving two or three things? Yeah. Not according to Christ's analogy, 70 times 7. Uh, each of you apologize to each other. It's never a one-way uh, uh, trip. Kiss and make up. Oh, this is one of my favorites. Kiss and make up. It's fun to kiss and make up. Uh, you can't control what your partner does, but you can do what God wants you to do and leave the rest in uh, to your partner and to God. And if you still can't come to agreement, then maybe you need to talk to the preacher and get some counsel, and he'll help you to work through it. Number four, start every uh, start over fresh every day. Vow to treat him or her right today. I mean, you got to remember, you, you develop patterns maybe, maybe, attitudes maybe, and those patterns and attitudes of thought have to be corrected. And that means every day you start fresh. Plan what you can do for him today. Plan what you can do for her today. Your partner is a gift from God. Whosoever findeth a wife findeth a good thing. And the finding of it is because God brought her to you and vice versa. And so plan a moment, a break, maybe a break time, just to think about how you can be a blessing to your partner. When you get in your car, gentlemen, on your way home from work, um, Immediately, don't think about, oh boy, am I tired. I can hardly wait to get home and watch a TV or watch a uh, video or watch a uh, computer or read the, the, the paper or something. No, start to think about your wife. And when you get home, uh, anticipating seeing her or, or the wife, anticipating seeing him. Um, we have to break the old negative habits and attitudes. Number five, allow for failure. I only have one more after this, so we're almost finished. Allow for failure. We know that Jesus allows for our failures. Well, we better jump up and click our heels that he does. Don't be, and, and he's prepared for them. He's made a way for us to correct them. And uh, invited us to approach him. Uh, don't be looking for the first time your mate goofs up. Don't. They'll, they're going to goof up. It is predetermined. But so will you. So let your unconditional commitment intensify your love for them at that time. Don't say things like, I knew it wouldn't last. I know it was all tied to that family conference and we, we made some decisions that night, but you, you, I, I didn't think that you really meant it or that you would stick by it. Don't say that kind of stuff. I knew you didn't mean it. You'll always make that mistake. You're just like your deadbeat father. Or you're just like your deadbeat mother. Woo, you're really pouring gas on the fire. You want a big time fight, don't you? I don't do that. Rather, help them if they fail. Encourage them. Honey, all of us make mistakes. Let's just learn from it and go forward together and change the topic. Get off of it. Together is a wonderful word. Together. The last thought is plan special outings to share experiences together. A date 
uh, and died away a fishing experience, <laughs> a shopping experience, gardening, hunting, camping, picnicking, hiking. Uh, we love to hike. Uh, we like to four-wheel drive on the mountains in the west. Uh, just uh, can't do that, you know, you know, on a date, but on a vacation maybe. Uh, attending the farm or, short, or sportsman show, uh, taking a vacation trip, working on a project or a hobby or a church goal together. The best part is when you both are able to talk things out together. And you have shared experiences. You build your life around God and sharing experiences with your husband or wife and your family. Laugh. We need to laugh. Everything is so serious and stressful. The news is really downhearting, uh, downhearted. And we need to laugh together. Holding hands, strolling together. Uh, getting away from the stress for a while with your partner. Closeness in marriage comes from shared feelings and uh, honesty and agreement on major issues and spiritual harmony, sensitivity to your partner's needs, genuine understanding, imparting secrets, uh, imparted secrets, mutual confidence and trust in each other, uh, planning goals together and dreams together and doing things together and building memories. You may not have all of those, but the more you have, the closer you can be to each other in your marriage. Falling in love again. These are ways that we can do it. And maybe it's just one thing that was said tonight that triggered your thought and God said right there son, daughter right there's what you came tonight I wanted you to get be obedient and do what it takes individually and together to fall in love again every head bowed